The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning. What time is it today? That's the question. According to our government, it is now 8.02 a.m. Central Daylight Savings Time. According to my body, it is 7.02 a.m. Central Standard Time. So that's that. Let's see. We have I think everything is working this morning, checking stats, checking comments. Um, it was hard getting up this morning. I go, my brain said, I need to go to bed early tonight, last night. And then my brain also said, hey, why don't we just keep watching this show until it's over? Hey, let's read this article before we go. Oh, let's watch this other video before you go to bed. Yeah. My alarm went off for five minutes before I heard it this morning. But that's just me. Okay. I am Pastor Nelson Nisley, Associate Pastor, Tower View Baptist Church, and this is your Sunday School lesson for Sunday, March 14th. Happy birthday to my little brother, whose birthday is today. Also known as Pi Day. 
as in the Greek letter pi, what we use in mathematics, the ratio between the circumference and diameter of a circle, 3.14159265.4, and I just kicked my light. So we are from Tower View Baptist Church. Check out our website, towerviewkc.com. You're watching this live. You already found our Facebook page. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Shirley, Don, good morning. Karen, good morning to you all. It's starting to come sunshine. It's cold and rainy and windy outside. Um, not as rainy as they said it was going to be, but it's still rainy. So welcome aboard. Welcome. Thank you for listening. I am live this week. Last week I was not live. I was recorded and then Facebook kind of lost my recording and then it showed up and then it disappeared and then it showed up again. And anyways, Facebook was being weird last week. And because it was being weird, Darren also went live because he thought my video disappeared, which it kind of did, but kind of didn't. It was technology's grand when it works. So I am back in Kansas City live. So welcome. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I think I said that already. It's daylight savings time. My brain is not working correctly. Um, let's see. So that's where we're at. Let's get started with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings you provide. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. Help us as we study your lesson and your word, that it'll infuse us, Lord, that it'll infuse our spirit, it'll infuse our mind and our soul, and that it'll change it. A process we call sanctification. And Lord, if there are those out there who have not listened to your word before, who have not heard this before, who have not chose to follow you, to repent of their sins, to believe with all their heart, all their mind, and all their soul that you are the Savior of this world and the only way to salvation. Lord, I pray that this will change it today. Not my words, but your words that come out of my mouth. We thank you for all you provide, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We are continuing our study in the book of Luke. Last week, we were in Luke chapter 10. I believe it was 10. Yep. And we have skipped ahead to chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Good morning, Linda. And as we continue with the study this morning, we, um, the lesson, if you're in the lesson book, Explore the Bible series, it starts in chapter, in chapter 15, verse 20. Well, verse 20 is in the middle of the parable. I'm not sure why they started it in the middle of a parable, but my brain can't do that. So I have to back up a little bit. And I thought, well, I'll start at the beginning of the parable. Well, then I, you start reading and you go, well, what, where, what's, what's just before this parable? And just before this parable are two other parables. Well, what's just before these two parables? They set up that these three parables are all together. And so chapter 15, verse 1, Luke chapter 15, verse 1, this is the setup why this parable is important. And Luke 15, 1, it says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, that's Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. We know as we went through the book of Luke and, and, and Matthew that we know that Jesus had, had dinner with um, Pharisees more than once. He had uh, 
a dinner at Matthew's house, one of the disciples, a, a, a tax collector that chose to follow Jesus. Uh, we know at other times that he had dinners with uh, tax collectors that's mentioned in Scripture. We know he ate with, um, later he, he met, ate with um, Zacchaeus. And so we know that numerous times he went to or he went to tax collectors' houses and others that were so-called sinners. And the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, the pastors of the day, the scribes, the, the uh, uh, professors of the day at the seminaries, couldn't handle this. Why would Jesus hang out, not with them, but with sinners? Even though all through Scripture, it talks about even the old, what we now call the Old Testament, talks about bringing people to God. But yet they couldn't fathom that. They did not have an idea of repentance and forgiveness. And they couldn't understand this. But even when Jesus went to a Pharisee's house, they still treated him poorly. And so here are the Pharisees, here are the scribes, religious leaders, the preachers and priests and seminary professors of the day, and they're complaining about Jesus because he hangs out with people who aren't like them. So verse 3, it says, So Jesus told them this parable. And he told them the parable of the hundred sheep where one is missing, and he goes off and leaves the ninety-nine to go find the one. And he rejoiced, and he told his friends and rejoiced. And verse 7 sums up that parable. It says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who don't need repentance. And so, Jesus is using this parable of the, of, of, the, of the 100 sheep, leaving the 99 to go find the one, to say why he hangs out with sinners. But it wasn't good enough. He sold a second parable in verse 8. Or the woman who had 10 silver coins, if she loses one, doesn't she like turn her house upside down to go find it? I mean, if you couldn't find that a credit card or a $100 bill in your house and you knew it was in there somewhere... Wouldn't you turn your house upside down? You start flipping furniture over and looking under the furniture and, and, and underneath the cush, the couch cushions. And you, you would not leave any stone unturned inside your house, so to speak, to find what was missing. And you would rejoice when you get it. And when you got to others, you'd say, hey, I, I couldn't find this. And it like, took me like three hours searching my house, and I finally found it. Verse 10. I tell you, in the same way, there will be joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So the, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, were complaining that Jesus is hanging out with sinners, and he tells not one, not two, but three parables to illustrate why he hangs out with sinners. So the first one, he leaves the 99 sheep and goes for the one that's missing. The one that roamed away, wandered away. The woman who has ten coins and loses one and thoroughly cleans her house until she finds it. 
and rejoices. And then the third parable, in verse, starting in verse 11. So Luke chapter 15, verse 11. This is the beginning of the parable. And he also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the youth, the young, yeah, verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate on foolish living. After he spent everything, a severe famine struck the land, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat to eat his fill with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So that's the setup for this. Um, the be where I set up the beginning of of this parable. Okay. Check my mic. Could be that I just turned my head. And so. Um, the setup for this parable, the beginning of this parable. And so this father had two sons, a younger one, older one, obviously. And then we begin, um, the one wants his inheritance. Now think about how much of a slap in the face that is to a father, that they want their inheritance before you're even dead. They're more worried about their money than your life. But the father does it. It doesn't say that the father complains or gave his son any words of wisdom or anything like that. It doesn't say any thoughts what the older brother had. But he left, and then it says he came to his senses. That's a sense of repentance. The idea of repentance, you come to your senses. He realized he couldn't do it on his own. And it says something, we, we, we talk about some people have to hit rock bottom before they, they come to their senses. And that's what happened to this young man. He, <laughs> talking about hitting rock bottom. So as a Jew, he's feeding pigs. Pigs are unclean animals. They're not worthy to eat in, in the sight of God in the Old Testament. They were unclean. And if pigs aren't fed right and aren't taken care of right, they can, it can be very dangerous to eat pork because pigs will eat anything. Um, and so here's this young man, and he's eating. And what are the pigs eating? It says pods. Think about when you cook and when you, you clean all the, all the pieces, parts that you cut off the fruit and the vegetables and the meat and you throw either in the trash or in the garbage disposal. Well, that's the stuff on if you're on a farm, you feed the animals, like the pigs. All those leftover pieces, parts, 
the stems, the seeds, the peels, all the parts that we don't like, the pigs will eat. And that's fine. And they're fine with it. Their digestive system can handle it. Well, that's what this young man was seeing. And he's like, that looks good. Think about how hungry you would have to be for all those pieces, parts to be hungry to you. All those things that you throw down the garbage disposal. And those are the things that you're, 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 you're hungry for. That is the thing this young man wanted. And that's what drove him to his senses. And so he said, I'm going to go home and tell my dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. And so he chose to do. So he quit his job and started walking home. Now, this is a parable. It's not real life. In verse 20, which is where the lesson starts. In verse 20. So he got up, went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put on a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So here's his son. He comes, he has his old speech rehearsed and the father messes it all up. Number one, the father sees him from a distance. Doesn't say what the distance was. Was the father standing out just looking for him specifically, or was the father looking for something else and just happens to see a son? It doesn't say. And from a distance, far enough away that most people couldn't tell who it was, but when you know somebody well, you know their silhouette, you know the, the, the way they walk, and you can tell who they are from a distance. And that's what this father did. He understood his son. He, he, could, see, he could see the silhouette of him from a distance, he could see the, the, the gate of his walk, and he knew it was his son, and he ran. Much has been made about this father running, that in the east, um, in Asia, people don't run. Generally speaking, that is true. You don't run unless it's an emergency. And father said, this is an emergency. I need to run. And as he's running, he's obviously calling for his servants. And... and, and it says in verse 20, he had he was filled with compassion. There's that word again. Compassion. The father wasn't worried about the insult that the son had by taking his money before he was dead. He was filled with compassion. Like the Samaritan was filled with compassion when he helped the injured man on the side of the road. Jesus is filled with compassion when he sees the crowds and he feeds them because they have no food and he teaches them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. He's filled with compassion when he heals them. Even though they vandalize somebody's house to lower a friend down through the roof. We're to be filled with compassion when we love our enemy and we bless those who curse us and we do good, do good to those who mistreat us, we do that because of compassion and mercy. 
So here's that theme again. The shepherd had compassion on the missing sheep, and so he leaves the 99 to go find the one. And so he ran, and he hugged his son. Now think about how his son looked like and smelled like. His son had been feeding pigs on a farm. He was wearing, may have been what he had on, might have been nice clothes, but they were worn out. They were filthy. He was barefooted. He had been walking, so he stunk badly, even for them. They didn't take daily baths or even weekly baths. But his father still hugged him and kissed him. And the son tried to give out his speech. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father didn't let him finish his speech. He didn't say give him a bath. He said put on a new robe on him because that's the way they thought. A bath was probably ended up being a part of it. But put on clean clothes. Put on a ring on his finger that signified importance. Important people wore rings. It made him part of the family again. That meant he was a son. Put sandals on his feet because, you know, he was barefooted. He probably either his shoes wore out or he sold his shoes. Uh, and so he, he had nothing there. He had nothing on his feet anymore. And so everything about this, the father had compassion. The son did not deserve this treatment. But the father did it anyway. And they said, let's kill the fed calf. So they kept a calf off to the side and they fed it well and they didn't let, it left, kept it in a pen so it didn't get a lot of exercise. So it was well marbled meat. And they may have been saving it for a, a, a holy day celebration. Or uh, some maybe for the uh, a feast at the end of uh, harvest time. But the father says, "Let's eat it now." And so they started preparing it. And that all this doesn't happen as quickly as it does in our world. It would all take many hours to make all these preparations and do these things. And so they began to celebrate. It says in verse twenty-four. But in, in, in some ways, the parable could end right here. But the beginning of the parable said a man had two sons. And so far, we've only met one. And so now in verse 25, so Luke chapter 15, verse 25, we meet the second son. Um, yeah. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioned what these things meant. Verse 27. Your brother is here, he told him. Your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back and safe and sound. So the other brother who had been working in the field, probably with some other servants of the hired servants, and they're all coming in from the field in the evening, and they hear the music. And so he asked one of the servants who would probably leaving the tent, leaving the celebration area, and said, what's going on? Just out of, you know, just straight curiosity. What, what, what happened here? 
And he finds out his brother, who left with an inheritance, wasn't helping him work in the fields, wasn't a part of the, of the family, had come back. And he was upset. Verse 28. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. So think about this. The servant is excited because the father is excited. And now the son becomes angry, and the servant's probably set back a little bit. Like, what in the world? And goes in and tells the father what's going on. So the father came out and pleaded with his older son. Verse 29. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you. I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, and you slaughter the fattened calf for him, the son's unhappy. He says, I've, I've stayed here all this time. I have never disobeyed you. I've done all that you've told me to do. And you never even give me a goat. A goat is smaller than a calf, cheaper than a calf. And so he's like, you, you haven't even given me a goat to have a party. And then he says, this son of yours. So he didn't, say, he didn't say my brother. He says, this son of yours. Don't we do that when we're married with the kids? You know, you're, you're mad at the kid. It's like, that, he doesn't say our son. You say that, that son of yours when talking to your spouse. And so he's upset. Why all this celebration? I didn't get out of this celebration. I've been here all this time. I've been more faithful than him. I'm the faithful one. He's not faithful. Why is he getting the celebration and not me? And we kind of do that in churches sometimes, don't we? We celebrate... A, a salvation, and we celebrate it righteous. I mean, rightly. I mean, here it's celebrating. We have three parables told us to celebrate. But those who grow up in the church, who all their life has went to church, and they started serving as soon as they were old enough to serve, there is no celebration. We have a, a special night of testimony because. This person who had was um, a sinner who lived an awful life and did things that were awful that hurt others, that hurt themselves, and they come to Christ, and we have a great celebration, and they, we invite them to come and speak about their life and talk about their salvation in Jesus Christ and how God has changed their life. And we celebrate, rightly so. But then there sits a person who's went church their whole life, and they've never had a celebration like that for them. Because they've always followed God. They, they didn't have a great... It wasn't that they were less of a sinner, but that but they never had that celebration because they've never had that dramatic change in their life, at least from an earthly point of view. They came to Christ as a child or a young teenager. They didn't have that rebellious phase in their life. They didn't sow their wild oats, so to speak. 
They've never been drunk. They don't smoke. They've never smoked. They've never had any great vice that they had to give up. And so we look at them faithfully. We may like nod and, 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 and um, acknowledge them here and there, but we don't have any great celebration. We don't invite them to speak and talk about their testimony. But yet both are the sons of the Father. Both are equally sons. And the Father explains himself in verse 31, Luke chapter 15, verse 31. Son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So all three of these parables are about finding something that was lost and celebrating. So whether you have been in church your whole life and you've never been lost from the, a worldly point of view, we still rejoice. You don't have the regrets of others have or the, uh, the pain of the things they did in their life. You can rejoice in your standing with God just as much as a, an adult who comes from a wayward life and changes their life, God changes their life and removes their addictions and removes and changes their attitude towards others. And they go from one who causes pain to one who brings joy. And we rejoice in both. It doesn't say that the angels in heaven don't rejoice over the older brother who has been faithful all these years but there was never any rejoicing. We just didn't see it. And so one rejoices. Both sons can rejoice. And in this case, the older son may have to forgive and have some compassion on his younger brother because it took him a while to come to his senses, to find the need to repentance. The older brother came to his senses as a young man as a child, and followed his father faithfully all his life. Both are worthy of rejoicing. Both are worthy of celebrating. Both are the reason Jesus came on this earth. For those who remained faithful all their life, and for those who were not faithful but eventually came to him, Jesus came for the sinners of this world, the Pharisee, you know, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners that followed him. But he also came for the Pharisees and the scribes. They just couldn't see it. But some of the Pharisees and scribes, as you read through scriptures, we see did follow Jesus. Not a lot is made about that. Joseph of Arimathea is one. Um, in John chapter 3, um, Nicodemus is one. And we read, uh, there's a, a place or two in Acts where it talks about some of the priests and, Phar and Pharisees that have turned to Christ. But some did. Most didn't, but some did. Just like in this world, most people do not follow God, but some do. When Elijah 
was miserable. God told him. And, and Elijah thought, nobody in this world, is, nobody in Israel is following you anymore. I'm the only one. God said there were still 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Isaiah, or e, Isaiah, e, Elijah is who I meant to say, if I hadn't said, didn't say that the first time. Elijah, you know, didn't know that. He didn't find them because they weren't out celebrating publicly that they hadn't bowed a knee. And so we celebrate. Jesus said that the path to glory to heaven is narrow and is not very crowded. The path to destruction is wide and is crowded with many people. And so we rejoice in all that we do. And so Jesus tells three parables to celebrate and rejoice when a sinner comes to repentance. Not to be begrudge them and hate them, even if they come on their deathbed. Not to begrudge them because the Father is compassionate. The Father is merciful. Jesus tells another parable where he pays workers that come to the, 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 in, the, in the parable, the farmer pays workers to come work in his field. And he pays them all the same, whether they came and worked all day, beginning in the morning, if they only began at noontime, at lunchtime, and worked just for the afternoon, and some who just started late in the afternoon and only worked an hour or two before it was quitting time. And he paid them all the same. Because the Father is compassionate. The Father is merciful. And he calls us to be the same way. And to celebrate when someone who is lost is found. When they are dead in their sins. And they come to life in salvation through Jesus Christ. So we celebrate all. Even as if they did something against us. Think about it. Somebody robs your house and takes you, you know, and sets it on fire. And they come to Christ. We are to celebrate, even though they took so much away from us. To celebrate the murderer of somebody in our family. To celebrate the church treasurer who embezzled and then comes to repentance. Whatever it is, we are to celebrate when they come to their senses and repent and follow Jesus. Not always easy. Not always convenient. But it is what God calls us to do. To be compassionate over others. And to celebrate and rejoice when one comes to salvation. No matter who they are, no matter where they were, and what they did previously in life. Even if they were in the wrong political party, you still celebrate when they come to Christ. Let us pray. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for this word. Show us how to be compassionate the way you are compassionate. Show us to be merciful the way you are merciful. Show us how to love the unlovely the way you do.
Show us how to be a friend of sinners without falling into their sin so that we can tell them about the love of God. Help us not to be like these Pharisees and scribes. Help us not to be angry like the, young, the older brother, but help us to be like the father, to rejoice and to be glad over one who was lost and is now found, over one who was dead and is now alive forevermore. You are the mighty God, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. The sky's lighting up out there. It's a little bit brighter than it was before. Um, I can see the window in, be, behind me in the, in the camera. And so once again, I'm Pastor Associate Pastor Nelson Nisley, Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Check out our website at towerviewkc.com. Thank you for watching. Let's see who else is on here. I think we got so Karen has left a message on here. Thank you for Linda. Um, I mentioned Don and Shirley earlier. I know there's some others on there. So I thank you for watching and listening. Uh, so check out our Facebook page. If you have any questions, any comments um, about what we talked about here today, any decisions you made, give, us, give the church a call. You can see it in the comments there, the phone number. It's 816-368-1330. You can um, call that number. You can text that number. You can leave a message on the website or the Facebook page, and somebody will get back to you. So the Father is compassionate. He wants you to turn to him. He wants you to come to your senses. He wants you to repent of your sins and follow him. And so I pray that you can do that today. Church today is at 10.30. We're still having drive-in church. It might be rainy. We thought about doing it outside, but it's going to be kind of chilly and rainy this morning. So nothing outside this morning um, because of that. Preparing for Easter. Easter is coming in just a couple weeks. So we will have a good Friday service. We have Easter celebration. We are going to have a Easter egg hunt, so to speak, at church. So come in, check out, watch the Facebook page, and, and, and see the announcements about that. So everything. Church inside is open. We ask you to still wear a mask, and we ask you to still make reservations. Um, but there is room inside for, for people to come in there. There's also room in the basement of the fellowship hall. We have a radio down there and a stereo system set up there. So we can turn that on and you can listen to the radio in, in the comfort of the basement. And we can put a few people down there and socially distance. Uh, so we have that option too. So let us know. Uh, be a blessing to see you this morning. God bless and have a uh, wonderful day.